Well, today we pick up in the Gospel of Luke, right where we left off on Easter morning. The women had just been to the tomb. They found it empty, and they run back to tell the other disciples what they have seen. At first, the disciples uh, dismiss it as an idle tale. But now it is Easter afternoon. And two more disciples are walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus when they have a surprise encounter with a stranger. As we'll see, this stranger opens up their eyes to Jesus, who is in their midst. Let us listen for the word of God. Our reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself appeared to them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What were you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, 
and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? Oh, gracious God, in this Easter season, open us up to your presence, your revelation in our midst. Give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, hearts to feel you with us, and feet to follow in your ways. Amen. Many years ago, I worked for a summer at Glacier National Park in Montana. I worked at a uh, youth hostel and at a restaurant, and lots of people came through the town. And I'll never forget this one woman that I met. She was in her late 30s. She came in by herself on a motorcycle. And she just had this heaviness about her. And she was at the hostel maybe two or three nights. And uh, one night, a lot of the people there were sitting around talking. And she began to share why she was there. And basically, she shared that her husband uh, had recently been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And it had so rattled them, they were a fairly young couple, that they really didn't know what to do. And the husband thought that uh, she should get out of the marriage now, not walk through the journey with him. And he had encouraged her to take a couple weeks to just go and think and have time to reflect. And so that's what she was doing. She was on the road trying to deal with this news and with this trauma and trying to discern what her next step would be. I remember just being so moved by her story. And just that, that unknown factor about it, and yet hoping for some sort of guidance and revelation on the way. I was reminded of her as I read our story this morning, remembering that it was on the road that Jesus came and met these disciples, that it was in the midst of their own trauma and their own grief, as they were trying to figure out what do we do next, that Jesus came and showed up alongside of them. And it gave me great hope in many ways for our own lives. As we are in this um, collective time of moving through trauma, the trauma of the pandemic, the trauma of just all the ways that our lives have been uprooted and turned over in this last year, of just the the trauma of what we have seen again, even in this last week in, in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, with the death of Dante Wright. And as for all of us, we are just on the road of our own lives with all the, the fears and the worries 
that comes with it. And so as I think about this story this morning, and I think about how we are moving forward in our lives, I think this story can help remind us, one, that we are not alone, and two, that Jesus is there to help show us the way. One of the things that I love about this story, and one of the ways that I think it's so instructive for us, is that it begins in this encounter with community. That it's these two disciples who are walking alongside of each other. They're already sharing uh, some of what's going on in their lives, and it's clear that what they are sharing is their grief. It's their pain. It's their vulnerability. And we hear it because of the question that the stranger comes up and asks them. What are you talking about, the stranger says. And it says that these, these two disciples, they, they stop. And they said, are, are you the only one who doesn't know about the things that have happened? And the stranger says, what things? And they begin to say, and they begin to spell out their, their grief. And they say, we had hoped. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to save us in the world. We hoped he was the one that was going to free us from political oppression. We had hoped that our lives would be full of joy right now. But instead, they are full of sadness. What's so interesting to me about this story is that when Jesus comes alongside of them, he comes alongside as a stranger, and he comes alongside just asking them to share what is really going on in their lives. He meets them right where they are. It starts by asking them to share their griefs, and their worries. What's more is that these disciples, they tell him. They engage with him. And they share what they know. And then they listen as Jesus, in the form of the stranger, shares what he knows and opens the scripture to them. There is this beautiful moment of connection as they talk and they listen with each other that this transformation is beginning to happen. We hear it because when they finally get to uh, where they're going, Jesus uh, makes like he's going to go keep going and these disciples say, wait, no, come and stay with us. They they invite him in to hospitality. It was custom at the time to invite someone in, but it also was not without its risk. And yet they do it. And they sit down to this practice of eating together. And it's when they are eating that it says Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And when he did it, their eyes were opened. 
they suddenly realized who it was who was in their midst. They even say to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us? when we were on the road and he was opening the scriptures to us. But then it wasn't until they got into that practice, that eating together, that deeper sense of hospitality and connection, that they knew it was him. Then they remembered. And they knew that it was Jesus who was with them. This idea of remembering is something that we also heard in our Easter story. Because when the women go to the tomb, the angel said to them, He's not here. Remember what he told you. That he would be betrayed and killed and raised up three days later. And We talked about how this idea of remembering wasn't just to think back to what they had learned before, but it also had this connotation of taking action of remembering, membering again as the opposite of dismember. We sort of put back together what has been broken apart. And so in this sharing with each other along the road, in this engaging with the stranger along the road, and then in this radical act of hospitality, and in this practice of breaking bread, which we would call communion in this church, but table fellowship, that is when they are remembered to each other. That is when they are brought back together again to themselves and to community and to that body of Christ. And it says these disciples were so transformed by this that they had to get up and they had to run back at night, seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell the others, we have seen the Lord. What strikes me in this is that Jesus is showing them how to live in a way that he has been showing them all along, so that even in his death and in his resurrection, he is mirroring to them, showing them, reminding them of how it is that they will find their way forward. And it is in community. It is in the sharing of each other's vulnerabilities and stories that they will show up for each other. And it is in those practices of faith and eating together and finding ways to connect to each other that they will help them see God and see Christ in their midst and find the way to go. To me, this is so hopeful for where we are in our lives and in our world right now. As we are coming out of pandemic, for many of us coming out of isolation that we have experienced for the last year and a half, but as we also wrestle with the trauma of what we have experienced this last year, in just the death from the disease, in 
just the ongoing fear and disheartening and sadness and anger around the injustice in our world and particularly the violence that we continue to see, particularly related to racism and white supremacy. But it also gives us hope for how we can find a way forward just even in the own grief of, of our own lives or the confusion of our own lives. That part of what we're called to do is companion each other. It's to come alongside of each other. It's to ask, how are you doing? What are you struggling with? What are the things that you are thinking about? And sharing with each other where we are and listening for God's voice in the midst of it. And then in doing those practices that help bring us closer together. I was reminded of this just today as I had uh, our monthly uh, clergy um, gathering. We do a monthly clergy gathering here in the Central Pacific Conference. And it's really like an Emmaus Road gathering. We come alongside of each other and we break up into groups of three. Today I was in a group of, uh, group of three, two other retired ministers, myself, and we had questions that we were invited to ask each other. One was just, how, how are you doing? How are you doing today? But the second was, how are you handling the stress of these times? How is the stress showing up in your life? And the third question was, what are the new things that are emerging? And how can you help imagine bringing those new things to life? And what I found as I met with my colleagues, we shared with each other the struggles of this time, how hard it is to be juggling all different uh, duties in our own personal lives, in our church life, what it, how hard it is to try to make meaning out of all the stuff that's going on. And yet simply in that act of sharing with each other, we could feel encouraged we could feel hopeful. We could feel like God is meeting us where we are and giving us hope to find that way forward. For those of you who listened in on our conference um, uh, service last week. Kathy Abend, who's the pastor at Wright UCC in Boise, preached on the theme of kindred. And one of the insights she shared in her sermon, which I thought was just lovely, was she talked about how uh, when you have people with two different opinions, you can think of them like points on a triangle. There's one here and one here. She's like, but there's actually a, a point up here, which is God. And she said that the closer that you move to God, the closer that we move to each other. And I would also add that the closer we move to each other, then the closer it is that we move to God. And so part of what this post-resurrection story teaches us, part of what helps us find a new way forward, 
is just reminding us that we are called to companion each other. We are called to, to walk alongside of, to break bread with. The word companion actually comes from Latin, come with pan bread. It is the people we break bread with, the people we walk alongside of. And in a world that has been so traumatized and so divided, what a beautiful way to be reminded of our call. That it's when we come alongside of each other, it's when we listen to each other, both the people we know and have shared our lives with, but also the strangers, when we hear what they've been through and what they experience, and we share what we experience, that builds that sense of connection. And it gives us a greater sense of who God is. And then when we offer acts of hospitality, when we let people in, not just to our own uh, houses, but also into our own hearts, right? When we, when we let other people in, that's where we see God. That's where our lives are transformed. I don't know whatever happened to that lady back at Glacier National Park. I don't know what revelation she ever had along the way. I don't know how her story ended up. And honestly, I don't know how any of our stories are ended up. I don't know how my journey will end up. But what I do know and what I do hear in our text this morning is that God is here that Christ is actually all around us all the time. If we can tune our eyes and ears, if we can actually engage each other honestly and openly, and if we can practice those acts of hospitality and fellowship that let each other in. This is one of the great gifts of being part of a church. It's one of the great gifts that we can do now, and I am excited for when we're actually physically back together. But I would encourage you to just think about in your own life, where is Christ coming alongside you? Who is a companion to you in this time who might have something to show you about who God is? And who can you come alongside of? Whose story do you need to hear? Who can you share with and open your heart to in hopes that together we get a bigger, broader glimpse of who we are, of who God is, and of how God calls us to be the beloved community. Amen.